Good evening and welcome back to Ulcerative Colitis Motherhood of Me. I'm Ulcerative Colitis Mama. Um, before I go on to tonight's episode, I just want to apologise profusely for my very lengthy absence from podcasting and posting on any of my social media platforms. Um, this, this, there's been no sort of significant reason behind that. There's been no, thankfully, no major negative reason why I haven't posted or anything lately. It's just life's just kind of got in the way really um so I just want to reassure everybody that I am good I'm okay I'm I'm healthy reasonably um you know it's just um unfortunately like sort of work life kind of holidays uh, various other things have just gotten in, in the way really um and just finding the time and finding sort of the right subject matter and and content to be able to provide which doesn't sound like a complete cyclical process of me rambling random stuff to you in the you know into the small hours of the morning so um so yeah um all is good all is well reasonably um so tonight's episode again I'm sort of going to just go through you know kind of why I haven't been around um but you know and just sort of recapping I think it was like sort of end of March I think I last podcasted and I do apologize um so yeah I'm just gonna sort of catch up and run everybody up to speed on what's been happening but um other than that you know everything's good um before I sort of proceed into any of my content I always put up trigger warnings in place because a lot of the content I do discuss um for those of you are new or those of you who you know obviously haven't heard from me for a while <laughs> um I do podcast a lot of stuff about mental health mental well-being as well um I do t- discuss about female re- reproductive health on the account of I had a few issues with um sort of gynecological issues at the moment so you know just be prepared I do talk about that as well um also I do talk about obviously uh ulcerative colitis which you know does creep in now and again hence the the title um you know so a lot of sort of roundabout you know bodily functions and things so you know lovely um so yeah um so without further ado let me crack on my random ramblings once again Okay then, so what's been going on in my marvellous, you know, very lengthy absence from podcasting? So, um, so yeah, um, we can all agree the start of my year wasn't wasn't great. Um, so just to kind of run everybody up to speed because, you know, I'm going to struggle to remember. Never mind you guys. Um, so yeah, um, I was involved in an RTC on Christmas Day. Um which resulted in my car being written off and then the whole stressful process of going through the insurance and having, you know, physiotherapy and having um, to be examined by an independent general practitioner to, you know, kind of like to prove, you know, that even though I wasn't at fault, but to even more so prove my innocence in a way. Um, then the trauma of looking around sort of the, every single car dealership within a 20 mile radius to find a car that I could afford only to be, uh, rejected. My, uh, loan application got rejected by my bank. Um, and it was down to some admin error. Apparently it was some weird kind of issue they had with their system and 
about three weeks later they informed me that I was wrongly declined and they apologised. Um, by which point then I had actually forked out a, an even greater APR on getting finance for the car that in a way I didn't really particularly want but it was the only car within my budget because uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed particularly in the UK that uh, everything is costing an absolute fortune these days. So yeah, that was kind of the beginning of my year where I was kind of financially on my ass. But I'm okay. I'm I'm all right at the moment. I'm I'm okay. Um, but that kind of took up a lot of you know that that sort of period. It was it was hassle and uh, me being me. Um, so I'm I'm highly anxious. I'm a what I would deem as a high functioning anxious person. Um, I. I'm very good if everything kind of goes structured, if I've got routine if it, and things like that. So when everything, anything becomes hassle, um, as my mum would say, hassle, inverted commas, it takes a lot out of me and it's um, it's quite debilitating, debilitating, I should say. I can put my teeth back in. Um, and I do, I really, really struggle with, with hassle uh, in, in any sort of, stretch of the imagination so by trawling around looking for new cars having to you know get some you know get cars within my in my affordability range get you know and sort of having to deal with all that and you know that I find that particularly stressful time um also during that time as well um you know things have been going on at work which were you know as as a whole were were incredibly stressful for myself and my colleagues um and from the outcome of that I was still sort of carrying a lot of um baggage if you like from an incident that happened way back in October um what we would deem as a critical incident um or a serious incident um although you know nobody was at fault in in that regard um, obviously, I cannot discuss it um, because it'd be more than my career's worth. But um, basically, it, it again, it was no that I wasn't in, uh, by any means in, at fault or anything. It was just a very um, upsetting situation to be in. And um, having had a new manage, line manager, um, she kind of all took us on like into um, an office uh, over the course of like a week and to um, conduct one-to-one interviews uh, not interviews sort of discussions or kind of one-to-one chats really informal chats because there was a lot of bad vibes going on there was a lot of there was an atmosphere um, not amongst us it was just as a as a whole as a service as a whole and from that you know um, you know I did feel that that particular incident had weighed heavily on me um both as a you know an anxious person and a person who overthinks as a person who relives and overanalyzes situations and although you know I know we all know that we can't change the past there's still things that we carry through into our futures and we carry them into our present as well in it and it has that sort of you know at the time you probably don't think it has that much of an effect on you but actually it does when you start thinking I don't want to be in that position again um and you know I discussed it in length with her I I actually sat there and I I said look I will be completely frank open and honest with you now this is my history this is what I've gone through in the last x amount of years since I've worked for the service I've 
I came into the service as a broken person. Um, and thanks to my wonderful colleagues, uh, I am healing. Uh, I wouldn't say fully healed. Um, more or less, I would say, you know, 95% healed. And certainly I've come on leaps and bounds since, you know, back in 2018 when, when I hit my, my lowest um, ebb in my life. Um, and I, I have, my colleagues have a lot to answer for in that regard that, you know, in a positive sense that they, they were the guys that, and girls, I should say that, um, you know, brought me through that, that gave me a safe environment, that gave me a safe place to be able to be me and to heal and to feel nurtured and supported in a very, very positive environment. And, you know, and I, I said that to her because I, I didn't, you know, want, her to feel that there was a an atmosphere within our group and certainly is not uh and you know and this and this sort of incident that happened way back when back in October you know I was honest and said this has had a massive profound effect upon me and you know it is going to be a massive learning curve for myself um despite there were like no you know when the investigation was uh concluded there were no learning you know needs from that you know we we're reflective practitioners and uh you know it's always how can we learn and how can we do better next time if something similar happened again and basically you know I was you know I was in a position where myself and my colleague who were involved at that time had done way more than we were expected to and you know um and you know, in fairness, my line manager actually commended me for that and just sort of said, you know, yourself and my colleague had gone over and above what was expected of you. You gave 120% um, that, that, at that time, you know, and you should be really, really, you know, proud of yourself for that, um, you know, and, you know, and that was really nice to hear because, you know, working in, in somewhere in public service, we don't often, often get compliments um so you know that I laid it all sort of out with her and on the back of that um I told you I was random and rambling so on the back of that um I was referred then to a counselling service through occupational health so I was um basically the health board where I that I work for so the you know um they um provided six counseling sessions for me and which they funded so um i was able to sort of um have a a counselor for for a short time and it did help unfortunately you know obviously i missed one um session so i only really had five sessions with my counselor and she was amazing to be fair to it it takes me a while to and I'm sure, you know, if anybody else has ever had th talking therapies, it takes quite a while for you to kind of build that rapport with that person. You're, you're outpouring some very personal, very um, private emotions, feelings and thoughts to somebody who's sat across from you that doesn't know you from Adam. And um, and I've been through it before. I was kind of, you know, I, I kind of went in there like, look, I know how this process goes. I've been here before. I um I you know and and things like that so I not that I went in defensive or guarded or anything I just sort of 
went in with the well this is not my first rodeo <laughs> so um and needless to say we 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 did do quite well together and a lot of it came up about you know I've got very um you know my my unspent grief um and just sort of having to um relive that again so for those who you know are new to my podcast hello um but just as a recap um my biological father died last year um and it was only that I found out about the day of his funeral actually that he'd actually passed away um we had been estranged for some time and his family didn't think to inform me or get in touch with me or anything and it's still something I'm dealing with and I think I will never fully sort of accept what's happened um I just have to kind of learn to accept that I won't always get the answers that I seek if that makes sense so so a lot of the counseling sessions did evolve kind of revolve around that because I felt that the critical incident that I'd gone through I couldn't have changed anything about it and despite me not being particularly logical I I obviously have aspects of being logical because of the nature of the job I do I have to be I work in healthcare I have to think rationally at certain times and follow you know and you know policies procedures and and you know I'm governed by legislation and various other things but as a very overcritical self-analyzer I'm aware that you know I am sort of I, I think about things and think how I would have done things differently and it does make me more aware when I sort of when I'm on duty in the evenings and things that you know this could potentially happen again um or something similar may happen again and anyway so I kind of dealt with that critical incident quite well in that respect that I knew that although it's going to affect me and it's you know you speak to anybody in healthcare and they always remember sort of certain moments that stay with them and that'll be one that will stay with me for sure um but I think you know I think that was just the cusp of the issues I was having and the the low mood and the um the stress and anxiety that I'd been feeling since after I got married basically and you know and I look back and I think did I have the wedding blues uh, was it because a lot of stuff happened in one massive kind of cluster um, from sort of when we came back from our honeymoon right through till Easter time that a lot of stuff happened that I you know just felt like I can't really is any any more curveballs gonna hit me come at me at any time soon because I was done I was spent my my stress levels were astronomical and I felt that the grief was probably starting to bubble up because I no longer had the wedding to keep me busy. Um, and I did and I, you know, sort of talked through it and there was a lot of anger there that I hadn't dealt with. And I probably, there is elements of anger that still linger because it's the unfairness of it all. I'm a very, you know, I have a very strong moral compass and I do... I I do fight for what's right and I have very strong principles and 
the the injustice of how it came about of me finding out about his death was so cruel um that anger was the only way I could deal with it because I'd just fall apart because if I don't get angry there was me thinking that he never loved me enough to actually want me there when he died so that was and I still and I still even talking about it now I still feel quite angry about it angry with him because did he make that decision or did his family do it on his behalf and I will never know because nobody will ever give me a straight answer um they'd be very good in politics that side of my family I tell you (laughs) but I will never know and I have to come to terms with that um and I was sort of coming you know coming up with ideas with my counsellor at the time as well to see what I could do whether I could access his death certificate would that give me any sort of closure in a way um you know visiting his graveside would that give me any closure and it's still things I haven't followed through with yet. It's still things that I don't feel like I'm ready to to do those things yet. Because once I've done them, I can't undo them. So it's kind of just putting it to one side for now. And just sort of trying to deal with it as and when. And for those people who say to you that grief comes in waves, I totally, I totally get it now. I totally get it. Um, that I can be fine six days a week and then woof I get like a you know half an hour of intense raw feelings and then I'm okay again it is really you know and I think it's very personal for everybody and it's very different for everybody um and I didn't have the what I described the traditional kind of um process of grieving um because of how I found out and how I was effectively excluded from that, from being able to to say my goodbyes in a traditional sense. So, um, so yeah, that was all going on as well. Um, and of course, then I was having this: am I am am I not going for surgery? So, um, again, because I've got this. Um, you know, I've got this coil, this intuitory device that's still there. Um, so I was supposed to go for surgery on, in February, excuse me. Then it was delayed till March and then radio silence completely. So I got, ups, you know, got upset, got frustrated, got angry. So I made a complaint to, um, to the health board, um, and I wasn't, you know, and it wasn't point about pointing fingers. It wasn't about appointing blame to anybody. It was just how the system had systematically let me down in terms of if I perhaps had been seen a little bit sooner or had my scan result, scans repeated um, rather than them using scans that were over a year old to as a, as a reference, as a guide maybe that may have reduced the risk of me now needing to go for a general anaesthetic and gynae surgery. And yes, it's only day surgery. It's only half an hour or whatever. It's only a few hours out of my day. Uh, it's only sort of a, you know, a, a routine run-of-the-mill surgery for for them. But for me, it was an incredibly frightening experience because I can, I 
I've only ever had one general anaesthetic in my life and I don't think that was that I was fully out for the count and that was having a tooth extraction when I was about seven um, and that was probably I was only heavily sedated I don't really remember it but it's that and especially when you work in healthcare you know too much and you worry more <laughs> um so and again it's that lack of control and you know and I can't speak for everybody out there but a lot of my anxieties seemed quelled a little bit by the more control that I have over the situation and that's why I you know I do have elements of being quite controlling not in a nasty way not in a a coercive kind of you know control freak kind of way but I like to be able to control the sit the situation as much as I can in terms of like it reduces my anxiety and I can predict the outcome a bit more if that makes sense so yeah so that's still ongoing so I ended up having this basically from my complaint then launched an investigation which I didn't realize which kind of makes me a little bit feel a bit nauseous thinking about it because it got a lot of like senior people involved and it wasn't a case of you know I wasn't coming after anybody I wasn't angry with anybody in particular I was just angry at the system and like I said that I had to you know I've been waiting the best part of two years um you know from my very first appointment to to now and um and it's just just the waiting round and the not knowing and and you know and that's probably the one thing that's sort of stressing me out the most and I think it's going forever going on in the background even if I'm not really consciously thinking of it and anyway the the investigation concluded I was sent a massive apology and the kind of like the what they investigated they sent me quite like it was about a four five page document saying what they'd what what had happened why um they didn't feel like it was a breach in their conduct or anything which you know I quite agree it's not it wasn't about that it was about you know why why is it taking so long um and just sort of not having that answered um again I I, I like to know I like to know why and the what falls and the ins and outs because I need to know why things don't work or do work for me to process that information and accept it and basically yeah that was it that they they sent their most heartfelt apologies and um that they would you know that I was still on the waiting list and that hopefully I would be seen this year fingers crossed eh but the what concerns me the most is um um, this is, you know, kind of the what I wanted to just discuss tonight was the, um, the impact of this on on me on my health, um, and not so much the psychological thing because I've kind of always, <laughs> without sort of signing myself off, um, I already have anxiety. I already have the tendency to overthink. I already have, um, you know all that going on and I kind of accept the fact that I'm a, an overthinker and I accept the fact that I'm a very highly anxious person at times. What's concerning me at the moment is the impact it's having on my reproductive health. Now I, I've always said 
and uh, after everything I went through having little G and and getting the colitis and being so ill after that and then the the mass sort of psychological impact of that plus everything else and um childbirth and everything that I never wanted any more children I was happy with little G he was my legacy and that that was it you know and me and big G were quite happy with that plus the fact we like to you know have our sleep and you know not pay pretty much a second mortgage for childcare and things you know we think we're out of it now you know it's and we've got a child that's old enough to spend time with us and do things that we want to do together and you know it it, it as it, as they say it gets easier as they get older and this is you know we're in a very comfortable stage in our lives now so um you know the the thought of having more children was never really on the cards and the thought of going through another pregnancy and uh, on uh, another sort of birth and the risk of having postnatal depression again and relapsing in my colitis it just the 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 cons outweighed the pros and plus the fact you know um you know little g's older now that the age gap would be quite significant and you know and the house isn't big enough for another child and yeah so you know you can see where I'm going with this I'm more than happy with little g and nobody else so um but you know the that should be my choice and big g's choice it shouldn't be down to uh basically a foreign object in my sitting embedded in my uterine wall to determine that nor should it be because of delays in awaiting a gynecology appointment to determine that as well so I've just turned 36 so I'm not young (laughs) I'm still not feeling it now but I'm not old either I'm still of childbearing age albeit uh, inverted commas geriatric um so the choice should, you know, if, you know, if I was in a position to want more children, I wouldn't be able to have any at this moment in time anyway. And who knows what may arise should there be, you know, hopefully not any compli- complications following this surgery. So um, the the IUD, so the, uh, the, the coil... Um, is currently um stringless and it's so if you imagine it's like the like a t-shape i've got one side of it actually well the back of it is firmly embedded in my uterine wall with one of the arms if you like i think they call them arms or legs arms probably sounds more correct (laughs) um is sort of infiltrating my left fallopian tube so that's doesn't to me that doesn't sound very good um certainly if I wanted more children it wouldn't sound good and I did actually ask the nurse in the event that I somehow got pregnant what would be the risks of a a stable pregnancy with the IUD still in situ and she more or less sort of said oh it'll it wouldn't really be a problem it'd be more more annoying than anything else and I thought well that's a bit of a strange kind of non-committal kind of thing to say so 
and just to just to give you guys a heads up, I'm going to talk about periods now. So, um, so with the IUD, I've I couldn't tell you how many periods I'd had in the last seven years. I've probably had no more than three. No, maybe less than that. Probably no more than two periods in that time. Um, so chances are that it's still active. It, there is still like bits of, you know, something, it, some part of it is still working because, you know, two years ago this should have been removed and it's still here. Yet I'm not having any periods nor that I'm showing any signs of ovulating or anything like that. You know, I'm not getting any cramping. I'm not getting any bleeding. I'm not getting any, um, you know, tenderness, nothing. So it's almost like everything's been suppressed and it still is. Um, which, you know, it's not, you know, it doesn't, it hasn't bothered me up until now. Um, and this is like sort of one of the reasons I, made the complaints because I said I do worry for my age I worry that my reproductive health is at risk um so yeah so I've had this device in for the best part of seven years and I'm still not having any periods so obviously we were advised to take extra precautions um because the product itself the actual uh, device itself is only licensed are licensed in the UK for five years. So the license is five years, which means they can categorically say it's 99.9% proof in that five years. They don't know what happens after that. Um, I believe for women that are approaching menopause um, that have the device in more so for period control rather than birth control can keep the... IUD in for up to 10 years because it helps the 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 um, synthetic hormone helps with um, the transition during menopause in in terms of the you know like the um, the hormone replacement therapy that kind of helps everything from what I understand of it I I don't know that much about it and I dread to kind of do any sort of online searches in case I read something that's going to freak me the hell out. So, um, so okay, so we know that, so it's it ran out of its license two years ago, near enough. Uh, it be two years ago in like August. Um, so is it that it's still working and that I'm kind of covered in the birth control area? Or has something gone a bit wrong along the way? Um, have I rendered myself infertile? Have I somehow pushed Mother Nature over the edge a little bit and now I've gone into like a, an early menopause? And I know it sounds crazy at 36 years old, but it's not unheard of. Um, and the reason why I've been sort of exploring this a little bit more in the last few weeks is obviously there's been a lot more, um, information put out into the public domain for, for, for people that are experiencing menopause because there are, there are like over a hundred different symptoms and not every person 
goes through that. Um, you know, people are reporting various, you know, completely different symptoms to the next person. But um, what, and that's kind of where I, the anxiety kind of takes over. Um, because obviously, you know, I've had a lot of stresses and, and things going on in the last few months. But, you know, I've functioned okay with it, I feel. Um, because I think that's how I do. I, I carry on and carry on until I can't. Um, and I've I've got to that point where I haven't felt like I'm about to drop, like which I have been before. I felt like I've just sort of pushed on through it. Um, sort of wading through the mud or treacle <laughs> in this case. And I feel like I'm doing okay psychologically. Of course, the whole gyne thing is stressing me out but the appointments are very few and far between and you know there's nothing else I can do about it at this stage because all I know is the answer is surgery that's the only the only thing I that can be done about it so having said that you know I for the last few weeks I've been a little bit more anxious I would say a little bit that just a little bit more heightened but nothing specifically triggering it. The one thing that I do worry about is I'm getting very forgetful at the moment and that's a bit of a red flag. Um, probably because, you know, we all get forgetful. It, it's, and when you're anxious, the more anxious you get generally, the more forgetful you get and it's just like a vicious circle because you get brain fog. And I've had brain fog pretty badly in the last few weeks um to the extent where I've thought am I losing my mind or am I going on the change and I thought surely to god it can't be either of them really but this is something that I feel that needs exploring and you know I so I decided you know what I'm just going to speak to my GP and they might think I'm completely neurotic well they'll read my records and probably agree but I kind of need that reassurance, but I don't want to be fobbed off either because I won't be the first, you know, if if that is the case. I mean, you know, well, crap. I was expecting another sort of 10, 15 years, but okay. But we move. We'll I will deal with it if that is the case. Um, the other factor could be that it's, that there is something, I believe it is hormonal. I can't figure out what else it would be. Um, and that's where you end up going down the rabbit hole of overthinking and worrying that you've got some really horrible something going on with you and that's not where I want to get to so hopefully whoever I speak to uh, this week so whether it's a GP or a nurse practitioner or whoever won't fob me off um, and I'm going to ask them for blood tests I'm going to ask them for sort of you know just to give me a full MOT just to see what it could be um because I'm not although my job is stressful at times and you know and life gets stressful at times I've not been to this level where I, I don't feel particularly stressed if that makes sense I don't feel like that dreading going to bed feeling that that racing heart feeling that just constantly sweating feeling like you get when you're acutely stressed this is more like oh my god I don't remember anything I feel like somebody's just wiped my brain clean 
um and just things like not feeling particularly organized not feeling like my days being structured enough where I'm I'm mad for being organized and structured and routine and and I just feel like that just doesn't I feel like I'm swimming through like mist at the moment I just feel like my brain is so foggy and that's not like me at all and I know that can also be a symptom with the colitis as well because you know colitis is full of weird and wonderful um side effects as well as the actual um full-on symptoms that you get during a relapse so what the hell is going on with me at the moment um and you know when I've been stressed before I've been tearful I've been really self-doubtful I'm just getting the self-doubt side of it at the moment I'm not getting tearful like I normally am um I'm a very emotional person and I cry at the drop of a hat everybody knows that um and it's usually because of my frustration and my low self-esteem and things and I I even actually had a chat with my manager the other day because I felt like I was underperforming and I've felt like I, I actually even said to her, I'm not giving you the best of me at the moment and I'm sorry. And she was like, what the hell are you talking about? She said, you were not underperforming. And sure as shit, she would actually tell me <laughs> if I was. Uh, she'd be the first to tell me if I was underperforming. And she's like, no, no, no. There's a few things that have gone on in work that have caused a bit of stress, but it's affected the whole team. So it's nothing specific in that sense. Although I don't take criticism very well. Um, I have been, you know, I do take it, I take it on board and I learn from it, but I also, it cuts me deep a little bit if it feels like I've let the side down in any way. And and that that, that was a kind of like something that had happened in work where it was more of a learning again a learning exercise where right we won't do that again will we guys right no that's fine move on and the good thing about my manager is she doesn't hold grudges and she goes right that wasn't good but we'll do this better next time won't we and it wasn't again pointing fingers or even shouting it was just more like more sort of well why did this happen or why didn't this happen um because this then happened and that's not good so you know so I felt that that was a bit like I felt a bit like oh I've let her down I've disappointed her and and I felt a little bit of shame for that but you know and I think that's what where she thought I was coming from when I said to her that I wasn't giving her my best but I actually did say to her look I'm really struggling with my memory at the moment I'm struggling to remember just normal stuff um I feel like everything's so like the way I work in is too sporadic sporadic and it's not as structured as I normally work. I feel like there's been a lot of stuff going on and I feel like I'm just I don't know what's going on. I feel, you know, I feel really, really out of sorts. So I did say to her, I'm gonna speak to my GP on my day off next week and try and see if it's it's something going on. So yeah, the last sort of couple of weeks have been a bit of a worry to be honest and it's since like kind of like I've come back off my last holiday. So I thought is it because of the weather? Is it because we've like in the UK we've had really kind of really good weather? Um, You know, we as Brits we don't want to complain it's too hot but we're not used to having a dry season sort of thing. 
So, you know, we've been averaging on temperatures of between sort of, you know, 23 and 28 degrees respectively over the last sort of six weeks. Um, and I thought, is it the weather? Is it because I'm dehydrated? Is it, what is it? So there's nothing to categorically say, right, you're going into menopause. There is, you know, I just, and I, I started off joking about it because there's a couple of women in that I work with who are actually in, in different stages. I've got a couple of friends that are like pre-menopause and a couple of friends that are perimenopausal. And it's just sort of, you know, we're kind of joking that, you know, normally you synchronize your menstrual cycles and it's almost like we're synchronizing menopause cycles now. But um, in all seriousness, you know, obviously it's not something to be joked about, but, um, you know, I do laugh about a lot of things because I think if I don't laugh about them, I'll fall apart. And I'm concerned that my fertility or there is something just not quite right with my reproductive health and whether that is because I'm no longer getting the same amount of hormone or that I am having some sort of change or something's not quite right somewhere along the line and I just want to make sure that it's something that can be rectified or if it's something that's not particularly serious and and deal with it from that. The other flip of the coin as well is that my biological father sort of was diagnosed with his first lot of cancer at my age. So that is always going to have a psychological impact, if not a health anxiety, straight up worry. Um, And I think since he died as well, I've been a lot more worried about my health and about the future than I probably was before. And I think that's probably a natural thing about being a parent and things like that, that, you know, you work, you, you do work. And I try and live so much in the present because having lived through depression and anxiety, I've wasted a lot of my presence on being ill. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, I've consciously wasted it. I just feel like that illness robbed me of so much time, as did the colitis. And I feel like it's my 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 life is now and not so much what happens 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years down the line. It's what I do now that help, you know, that keeps me healthy for longer for, you know, so I'm around for little G for longer that, you know, I can, you know, that I'm not going to be medically retired too early and end up like in complete poverty. You know, it's just about sort of, you know, living you know, this is not a dress rehearsal, you know, this is all about living, and what a deep thing to say on a Saturday night, but <laughs> in all seriousness, it is, and maybe that, that is an element there that I'm worrying, because I know that he had bladder cancer at my age, which resulted in him having actually his bladder removed, having part of his bowel restructured into forming a type of bladder a rudimental bladder and he ended up with a urostomy um which you know we don't know what what is around the corner we don't know what may or may not happen and you know he was my male parent he was you know so you're thinking of different kind of strands of the dna you're thinking is it a is it all in your genetic makeup? Is it because his lifestyle was much worse than mine? He was a smoker. 
he was a heavy drinker he was he didn't eat healthily he didn't you know he he didn't look after himself and whereas I have a much healthier lifestyle so you know is it because of that or you know is it something else you know along the way and you know and unfortunately we can't always deal with the you know we don't always get to choose the cards we're dealt with in life but um you know it has certainly made me worry a little bit more and and just things like you know my life insurance was renewed recently and what horrible I don't know if anybody else has like sorted the life insurance policy out but it's such a morbid thing to do because you know and I laughed about it with the guy that I was doing it you know the 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 you know the what do you call the um assessor guy you know the the person that you have to ask all these questions about and you know and he said oh do you want the you know like x amount of money left blah 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 and I said well to be honest I don't really care because I'll be dead anyway so (laughs) you know and it's awful it is sorry it is so so morbid and you know I've got to laugh about it and I kind of did laugh about it because it's such an uncomfortable subject to talk about because it's just like well I don't I you know does it really matter you know I it's it's just money it's just assets and you know estate I don't have an estate by the way so (laughs) but it is it's just that well I don't really want to think about this sort of thing and then having to relive obviously going through your family history of any illnesses in the family and then it has to be your immediate family so your biological parents your siblings and you know of course then it came up you know my dad you know um my biological father had bladder cancer in his mid-30s he then ended up having sort of leukemia off and on throughout his 40s and he was dead at 58 so you know it it was a bit too much to deal with I think and you know and whether it's something psychosomatic that's causing the memory loss and the brain fog and the lapse in concentration and the zoning out and the fatigue and everything else that comes with it is it just that I've burnt out that I don't realize that I have because I it's I've burnt out before and it usually involves a lot more emotion a lot more kind of rage and hurt and upset and fear and and now I just feel quite disassociated and which to me then thinks is it something hormonal because I'm not responding emotively by it I'm just sat you know for instance yesterday I could have easily spent all day asleep I was so tired every time I sat down I I thought if I close my eyes now I'm gonna fall asleep and I couldn't do that because you know it was my day off and I wanted to you know I had chores to do chores like I sound like I'm 13 I had housework to do I had you know um I had to go to the supermarket I had to you know sort the dog out I had to do the school run you know I had things to do so I didn't have time to just kick back and close my eyes I had jobs to do plus the fact you don't want to waste your days off either and um and that's when I started thinking, you know, this is justified why I'm speaking to my GP. And then today I've had a little bit more energy. I've had a bit more of 
a go in me so I've been able to do more stuff around the house I've been able to take the dog out I've been able to you know kind of not lose my shit so much um and and I thought well maybe mm, maybe I do cancel that appointment but I think well no because there is something there is obviously something bothering me to the extent that I feel that a GP needs to be involved so why not just you know see it through and yeah they're probably going to turn around I'm 80% 80% sure they're going to turn around and say, yep, it's all in your head. You're, you're being neurotic. You're being whatever. I can see from your history, you've got an extensive mental health history. So it's probably that that's kicking off again. And I'm like, well, no, because I feel quite okay. You know, I feel okay in a, in one way. But then I'm feeling these, you know, I'm going through these experiences that I don't normally feel. And this isn't normal for me. And, you know, to the point where I've been worried, you know, that I've missed things in work, that I've missed handing things over or passing information on or, and I've spent that entire time completely worried because I can't remember anything. And it's, I've never had a particularly good short-term memory. My long-term memory is absolutely fantastic, absolutely fantastic, (laughs) like an elephant. And my short-term memory has never been particularly brilliant. And then, you know, I think when I'm stressed and when I'm anxious, yes, you you do. And you do end up hyper-focusing and then information just falls through the cracks. And, you know, that does happen and I'm aware of that. But I don't feel that heightened, if that makes sense. I don't feel like that particularly highly strung at the moment. I feel just quite... Like I'm sat here, like what the hell's going on? Why, why can't I remember anything? Why, why did I forget to do that in work? Why did I forget to hand that over? Why did I not do that? Why haven't I done this? And it's just, you know, just constant. Um, so hopefully I will get some answers. Um, I, it's a phone consultation, but you know it's better than nothing, I suppose. And I'll just sort of see, you know, maybe they'll get some bloods organized and take it from there but I you know I I I just don't want to be fobbed off and um you know on the account of my age and my history and things um which makes it sound like I'm kind of skeptical already you know that I'm setting myself up for disappointment not that I'm disappointed it's just I just something's not right and I need an answer why why am I not right and is it because I'm not well or is it because my hormones are incredibly imbalanced or is it because my mental health's kicking off but I'm just not seeing the red flags from that like I normally do so who knows but we'll find out in the next couple of days anyway and of course guys I'll keep you posted and you know we'll we'll take it from there and see what happens and just sort of you know deal with it whatever it is or isn't (laughs) so um that's kind of where I'm at at the moment and that's basically the roundabout way of saying what's happened to me in the last sort of three four months so um but on a good note you know I've got you know we've we've spent some time away camping again you know we you know we've done a lot more things together as a family and we've actually organized another camping trip for the summer holidays as well so I've got things to look forward to as well. Um, I've also got a gynae appointment on 
next week. Um, well, not next week, the week after. Um, which I'm not looking forward to because it's more the trek 60 miles up to not even our neighbouring hospital. It's the hospital, the other side of the neighbouring hospital, um, which is probably only going to be, I'm going to be sat there for about half an hour, 40 minutes to be seen within a 10 minute and then drive all the way back again. So I'm going to see if I can take my mother with me. (laughs) Um, So I'll be talking to her very kindly when I see her next Um, because I don't want to go there on my own. And, you know, once upon a time, I would have loved to have driven all that way by myself. But at the moment, I'm just not very confident driving particularly far by myself. And that's, again, that's probably stemming from Christmas Day, isn't it? So, uh, you know, so I can understand that to a certain extent. Um, Plus, it's the parking as well. It's just so much easier when you go as a second person with you. Um, Because you can just run in and... By the time they get up a parking space, it's probably time to leave again. But yeah, um, so yeah, there's a few things coming up, but there's a few things I can focus and look forward to as well. Um, so it'll all work itself out, as they say. It'll come out in the wash. So um, yeah, so that's where I am at the moment. So um, I'm going to try and stop myself from rambling now. It's See, it's just once it starts, it's difficult to stop. So, um, yeah, um, I will try my utmost to keep on top of my social media and I will try not to leave it next like this long next time for my next podcast episode. So I'm just going to leave it there for tonight, guys. And thank you once again for your continued support. And like I said, I'm truly, truly overwhelmed by how many listens I've had on my podcast and, you know, the and the whole new followers on my Instagram. So thank you very, very much for that. Um, as always, stay safe, keep talking, you know, don't let things fester. Um, always find somebody you can trust to talk to and stay safe. And I will speak to you guys very soon. Okay, take care. Good night.